one. Do you have a critic in your life? Maybe you have a whole passel of them, a whole bunch of them. Are you surviving the onslaughts of your critics? How do you do that? If you're a pastor, this could be an important conversation for you, but our topic today is not just for those in church leadership. It's for anybody with any kind of responsibility and the resulting pushback you get sometimes on a daily basis. And here's the question I want you to think about today. How do you respond to criticism? Is it how you want to? Our guest today says there are three ways to respond that will help you navigate today's social media-saturated world and anything else. And And think about this, too. What's a criticism you've received that you simply don't know how to respond to in a godly way? Let's talk about it today at the Radio Backyard Fence. Here's our number, 877-548-3675. You can contact us online as well. Get all the info, chrisfabrylive.org. Glad to have you along for the conversation today. Also glad to have Behind the Glass Darkly, Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Joe the Prayer Guy is our producer. Trish is our consulting producer. Courtney is in town today and will be answering your calls. Hope you have a... Had a good weekend and are ready for a good week. Oh, we've got some great conversations for you all this week. I came up with a topic yesterday driving around, uh, just driving around in Tucson, Arizona. I thought, we've got to talk about this. Maybe we'll do that later in the week. Tomorrow, we're going to talk with an avowed atheist. He was raised as an atheist. He stayed an atheist, didn't believe God existed until something happened in his life and God intervened. you got to hear the story and why it's important for us to talk about. We'll do that tomorrow right here at the Radio Backyard Fence. Real quickly, I don't cry on airplanes much, but I did on a trip four years ago. I was reading a script of a movie, and, you know, tight shot of this and a wide shot of that and external of this house and internal of this closet. <laughs> There's nothing in there that should have made me cry. But when I read between the lines about the passion of Miss Clara, her passion for prayer, and the power we have in prayer. I knew, first of all, it was going to be a good movie, and I tried with all my heart to capture that on the page. Did you read, you probably saw the movie, did you read War Room, the novel? If not, even if you read it and you got it from the library, let me send you a copy as a thank you for being a Backfence friend. If you give a gift of any size to Chris Fabry Live right now, I'll send you a copy of it. Uh, See the production and movie photos. Come for the story. Stay for the photos. (laughs) Call 866-953-2279. That's 1-866-95-FABRY. Or go to chrisfabrylive.org. War Room, the novels, my gift to you this month as a thank you for being a back fence friend. Again, go to chrisfabrylive.org. He is back, ready and raring to go. The president of Keep Believing Ministries, prolific author, speaker, Former pastor, Dr. Ray Pritchard, who is the author of An Anchor for the Soul. That's a featured resource. Joining us from Shawnee, Kansas today. Ray, how in the world are you doing? Hey, Chris, I'm doing great. Good to be with you again. How are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here and ready. <laughs> and, and, you know, I've never looked forward to having critics so much as, <laughs> as today because I, I really want you to bore down on this. There's somebody listening today who has got a critic or critics in their life lives, and they, they just don't know what to do about it. Let's go back to where this came from. You preached this message back in May, right? 
in May, I was asked to speak on Tuesday night at the uh, Moody Pastors Conference, and it's one of those moments when I was asked to speak for the evening service. That's the one where you get a little Mm. bit more time, you know, and so I felt impressed that that I should talk to the pastors about how to survive your critics, which the minute I announced that, uh, there were knowing smiles and nodding heads all across Tory Gray Auditorium because to be in the ministry, well, look, if you want to be, if you want to live a life free from criticism, the ministry is a bad place to be because, <laughs> well, we all know, Chris, it's just, it, it can be open season sometimes. And so I preached on the story of, of David and his men being way back in the cave and Saul coming into the cave and David creeping up and clipping off the, you know, the edge of his rope. That's one of the most dramatic stories in the Old Testament. He could have killed him. He didn't do it. And from that unfolds the great question. If you have a chance to take revenge on your critics, should you or should you not? And all we can say is when David had a chance and his men were going, you know, kill him, kill him, kill him. David goes, no, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. I'm not going to raise my hand against him. So, Chris, there's something there, not just for pastors and folks in the ministry, but for all of us in thinking about when we've been wronged and we have a chance to get even, should we take it or should we not? So how do you – I said, you know, the operative word is how to survive your critics, not how to get rid of them. I don't know mm-hmm. how to do that, not how to defeat them, but just how do you how do you live in a world where you're going to be criticized, say social media, left right. and right if you do anything? How do you survive and keep your head, your mind, and your soul and your faith intact? So that's what that was all about. What was the response afterwards? <laughs> well, you know, I preached, and they were – that was an evening where I didn't have to work hard to get the audience because they were with me from the get-go, but – it was such a heaviness after I finished that the, the, the praise team led in some song, but you could tell that there was more that needed to be done. And our good friend, Roy Patterson, who was the MC for the pastor's conference, and you've heard his voice over the network many times, Roy got up and said, I think God wants us to do more. That was a message he said I needed to hear, we all needed. And he said, if you're a pastor here tonight and you've been going through a struggle or difficulty and you'd let us pray for you, would you just stand up? And, and you know, Chris, I thought, yeah, nobody's going to stand up. That's just, you know, that's too vulnerable. Well, wow, all over the auditorium, there are pastors and pastors' wives standing up everywhere. And then just like that, hundreds of other attendees gathered around those hurting pastors, reached out their hands, laid their hands on them, and prayed for them, and with tears, lifted up their brothers and sisters and asked God to help them. And and I got to say, you know, as a preacher, you go in not knowing what God was going to do, but clearly God intended to do much more than I expected. There's a lot of hurting men and women in the ministry. And that night, God, God used that message in Roy's response to uncover it and let us minister to them in prayer and with words of encouragement. That is really encouraging, and it's kind of what I want to happen today, too, even though we can't physically be there with people and gather around them and put our hands on them. I just, I really want people to feel that kind of, uh, you know, the encouragement when you get, and I guess you're talking about unjust 
criticism. There is a a criticism or a corrective that we all need at times. You're not talking about that, right? No, I am. I am. I definitely see, Chris. Here's the deal. How do you know? How do you know? I mean, how do you draw the line? We could talk for hours. How do you draw the line between quote just and unjust criticism? If if I'm going to be honest, which frankly, I don't really want to do too much, and I don't. I don't like criticism any more than anybody else, right? You know, you go first, right? I don't, I don't, I don't want to be criticized, but just this morning, uh, and I, it just hit me as before we went on the air, I was reading Proverbs 13 and here's like the Lord slapped me in the face because it's like every other verse of Proverbs 13 is about, are you willing to respond to discipline? Are you willing to let, are you willing to res- that the test of your righteousness is how you respond to others when they correct you. Well, really, my track record in that isn't necessarily all that good. Um, you know, if somebody would come and say, okay, Ray, this is definitely just criticism, maybe I would sit there quietly. But mm. the truth of the matter, I mean, Chris, isn't it true? It, it just tends to be just and unjust opinions and wisdom and some some harsh stuff all mixed up together. And, and and that's what makes the criticism so difficult because really, even in the harshest stuff, there's almost always a, a kernel of truth in there somewhere if yes. you can get to it. So that's, that is part of the challenge of this hour. If you can get to it. If yeah, you can it. get to it. Okay. So you say there are three ways to respond. And, and if you put this under a microscope, it would be, how do I respond to criticism as Jesus would respond or as Jesus would have me respond? There are three things that you say to do. And I'm, you know, this is the, this is the tease, Ray. We're not going to give them the three okay. things. You got to hang on. <laughs> but there may be somebody in your life who needs to hear these three things about criticism, you may be the person. I'd love to get your feedback today. If you're going through this season, you can be specific or not. You don't even have to be on the air, especially if you're a pastor and you say, I don't want to be on the air, but look, here's what has been said about me, and I don't know what to do with this, or it was on social media. Call us and talk with us today. This is Chris Fabry Live, How to Survive Your Critics, today at the Radio Backyard Fence. Have a comment about the program today? Call 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-LIVE-675. Isn't technology great? You can invite a friend to listen to this conversation. Share it on social media. Spread the word and the encouragement you find at the Radio Backyard Fence. Dr. Ray Pritchard is with us today, author of An Anchor for the Soul, among others. He's president of Keep Believing Ministries, and you can find out more about him and the ministry at chrisfabrylive.org. Ray comes along every now and then, and, and we talk about some important things that are going on and rolling around his soul or yours and mine. And this thing about critics, the the main topic that we're going to talk about is thinking clearly, but the subtitle of it is How to Survive Your Critics. Because when you get a critic, it's very easy not to think clearly, right, Ray? Well, the truth of the matter is nobody likes to be criticized. I mean, in the in the abstract, yes, please tell me what I need to know, right? But then you get the email and it's you know, it's said with, with a sharp edge to it, or somebody says, I want to talk to you after the service, or when you said that that was really offensive. And you can just begin to feel your blood pressure rising. So, yeah, 
we do need to be open to criticism. It's just, it is such a huge challenge. And also you've got the problem, Chris, of separating the, the let's just, you say just from unjust. How about the, the wheat from the chaff, you know? <laughs> how, how, do we, how do we get down digging through all that other stuff to get to the nugget of truth that we really, really need? And so that's, I think that's one reason why, you know, pastors especially are in the place of being easily criticized. And in this day of social media, and I'm not just talking about people in the ministry, but Facebook and Twitter and, and right. all the rest, it just – it encourages us to yeah. be very quick with our comments and very cutting and sometimes very crude. What do you do when that begins to come at you in waves? We, we got to find a godly way to respond. You know what I, uh, the litmus test that I have is as soon as I see something negative or hear something negative, what my, my flesh will do is pigeonhole. Oh, well, you're just one of those people who, right, and I right. can categorize you in that way. If I categorize you, you know, you got an axe to grind about this or that. I can just put you in a little box over here and shut the door and keep on going with my life. And I don't, I don't like when people do that to me. You know, if I have, <laughs> you know, I, I want you to listen to my, What's going on here? And I might have a good point or two, you know, listen to what I have to say. But it's so easy just to push them aside, isn't it? Well, if we are too quick with the categorization, we run the risk of missing what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. Because part of of the big question here goes back to an issue of theology. Hmm. Who is standing behind the critic? If we really believe in the sovereignty of God, we got to believe that our critics could not come to us without God's permission. That there is some sense in which David needed Saul. Now Saul was Saul was off his rocker with with anger and bitterness and rage and jealousy and envy. I mean, he was throwing spears at David and he was chasing mm-hmm. him around the house. And then, you know, there's that one crazy point where they're out there in the wilderness and there's a big mountain and on one side is David and his army. The other side is Saul and his army. And they're like going around. I mean, Saul has got lost it so much. He sent out his whole army to get rid of just one man. And yet there is some sense in which we have to say, David needed Saul. There were lessons out of the wilderness wandering and hiding in the cave that David couldn't learn any other way. So if we really believe in the sovereignty of God, we have to believe even our worst motivated critics have something to say to us we must need to hear. That's hard to do, man. Yeah, I it is. Yeah, it is. I, <laughs> I don't because I, you know, I have such a pure heart, and there's nothing, that's, you know, I'm right, right about everything. <laughs> All right, what? so, so are there three things then okay, yeah. to survive our critics? Tell me what uh, they are. Number one, we got to admit our part in it, and this is the hardest thing, right? Especially when we are tired, when we are scared, yeah. when we are angry. Which is tends to be when the critics come at us, right? We're already worn out. We've given everything. We're a little bit scared. We're off kilter. Somebody comes and hits us with something. It is so easy to respond in a fleshly matter, in a attacking them right back. So number one, admit our part in it. Uh, remember what Spurgeon said, never get angry at your critics. You're much worse than they know. 
Amen to that. It's true. I mean, how, how does it go? It's me. It's me, oh, yeah, Lord, standing, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So number one, we got to admit our part in it. And, and so what? So what if 90% of what they are saying is just rubbish? We got to somehow, Chris, by the Holy Spirit's power, get to that 10% we need to hear. I don't have to answer for the 90% of the junk, but when I stand before the Lord, I got to answer for the 10%. And, and frankly, honestly, usually it's much bigger than that. It's 20 or 30 or 40. It may be, you know, it really, it may be 90% of what they're saying is, is true. And I just want to con, you know, concentrate with 10% that's just junk. It doesn't matter whatever the percentage is. I got to come to the place where I say, I needed to hear that. I don't hmm. like it. I really don't like the manner in which it was delivered. I don't like some of the things that were said. But I'm never going to get better unless I can admit, yes, there's truth there. I needed to hear it. Number two, we got to thank God for it. This goes back to that whole question of theology. Your critics could not come to you without God's permission. Look, if Satan couldn't touch Job without God's permission, if Satan couldn't come after Peter without Jesus' permission, then, my friends, your critics could yeah. not come to you. They could not come to you without God's permission, which means mm. no matter what their motives are, no matter whether you like the way they say it or not, there must be something that God intends for you to get out of this. So we either get angry or we say, Lord, thank you. I, you're, you're in charge of this and I must need this. And I'm praying that you're going, I'm thanking you that I am in this mess I'm in because you're going to speak to me out of it. And third, and I think the third one is probably the one that's humanly impossible. You got to admit your part in it. Thank God for it. And then if possible, forget about it. I'm not real strong on this third point, but I do agree with what F.B. Meyer said that we spend way too much time trying to clear ourselves. We would do better. That is trying to argue our way out of our problems or, or, you know, swing, swing for the fences, try to knock somebody down when they, when they come at us with a word of criticism, we'd be better to take it to the Lord, leave the case there, and say, all right, Lord, whatever's good, whatever's bad, this is with you now. Hmm. I'm going to leave it with you. Does that mean we'll never think about it? No, but I think, Chris, if we never come to the place of letting it go, it will not dominate us, and we will not sink down into the valley of bitterness. Hmm. All right, so what I hear you saying then is have an attitude, when you get criticism, have an attitude of humility and be open to asking the question, Is what truth is there in here and how can I respond to this and then be grateful to God that it's come my way, even if it stings and you think it's none of it's true, and then figure out with God's help a way to move past this so that it doesn't uh, monopolize your thought life and your ministry and or if you're in business, you know, everything that you do with business, it doesn't hang like a big cloud over you. All of that is is exactly right. And I think we got to keep going back to the theology behind it, because these aren't just three points. These are three points, three ideas based on on the concept that God is sovereign, that God is faithful, that even in the moments of my worst, 
criticism, when it's coming at me in all directions, there is a sovereign good God who is standing behind all of that. He would not let that come to me if he did not intend it for my good and for his glory. I mean, somewhere in there, yeah. it, somewhere in there, Romans 8, 28 has got to kick in, right? It's, <laughs> it's, it's got to kick in. And it's like the it, pony in the barnyard. I keep looking for the pony. That's I can't right. Find. I, I'm digging. I'm digging. I, it's funny. You and I were thinking of that same old story. I'm yeah. digging through this. There's got to be a pony down here somewhere, right? So if we really believe that, we're going to keep digging because we're going to believe God intends this for my good and for his glory. And uh, at least when we bring God into the equation, it's not just me against the world answering my critics. Because, you know, if you go down that path, friends, of just you fighting your battle against your critics, you are going to end up like Saul, bitter, enraged, mm. overcome with envy. Ultimately, you're going to destroy your own walk with God. Friends, it's not worth that. Hmm. Now I know why the pastors responded in the way that they did. I mean, and you're just giving us a kind of an overview of this because there's more to talk about with how David responded to this. And I want to get to that. Let me give you an example from my own life. As you're talking here, I, I, I went back. I think this was in the 1980s. I was doing a little bit of work for a, a media ministry. I won't say which one it was. But I heard through different channels, I heard someone say to me who knew the head of the ministry, you know, the, 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 the one who knew everything, <laughs> the one who was calling the shots. <laughs> right. And, uh, and the word was this. You know, I like Chris. I like his voice because that's what it was, I was using my voice. But, and here's the thing that, that stung and that stuck. He sounds uppity. He sounds uppity. And my first thought, I really respected the person who said this. And I really liked the person who said this. I thought I was doing a really good job. <laughs> and, and when I heard that, you know, maybe it was the, the person who was through the channels who was saying it that was getting a little pleasure out of <laughs> telling me this. You know, it didn't come right. from the or original source. It came through different channels. It was like, now, how do I take that? How, I, there's no question this person didn't have anything in, in for me, you know, they, they right. liked me. They wanted me working with them. I need to have a humble attitude and say, well, what, how do I, how am I coming off that way? Cause I sure don't feel that way, you know, and I don't want to come off that way. So in that sense, all three of those things, you know, it's like, I got to analyze this. I'm th thankful to God that I heard that, but I've never forgotten it. And it's been 30 plus years that I heard it. You know, about that same period of time, and I mentioned this to the, uh, to the men, and the, the men and women who were there at the conference that night in the 80s, I was pastoring somewhere and there came a, the end of two years of terrible controversy and there came a there came an elder meeting and uh, two of the elders decided they wanted me gone and um they lost the vote but it split the church church split about three times in six months and um, mm. honestly chris i thought i was going to lose my mind and uh, <laughs> wow. i did and here's the deal 
wasn't anything about doctrine, wasn't anything about character, wasn't anything about money, wasn't anything about improper relationships. When you really get down to it, uh, I think that they they were just tired of me, tired of looking at my face and hearing my voice, and they wanted something different. And uh, wow, that was a that was a that was a you can you can hear it in my voice now thirty years later. Wow, what a tough time that was. I I told that story in some more detail to to the, at the pastors conference in Chicago. And I commented two things. One, looking back, that was like the worst year out of almost 50 years of the midst, like the worst year. Because at the time, I couldn't see anything good. Because when you were tired, and I was certainly tired, and when you were scared, and when you were angry, and I was all of that, it's hard really to, to understand what God wants to do. But I, I told the guys and the gals at the pastor's conference, that was both the worst year, and I guess... uh Maybe the best year of my ministry because I it took me a long time to be able to say this, but you know what? They were right. Maybe mm. not in maybe not in what they said. You know, maybe not in exactly the way they said it. Right? And I don't right. even have to. I don't even have to worry about their motives. That's between them and God. Right? I don't have to worry about any of that. Boy, it took me a long time to finally say, you know, there was a lot of truth there. I had a lot of growing up I had to do, and out of that painful period was born the ministry. I don't think I'm doing what I'm doing now if if uh, if I don't go through that very painful and humiliating time. And I said to the guys, you know, the pastors, you know, there's nothing better for the soul than a cold splash of reality right in the face. And out of that, out of that cold splash of reality, God brought some growth in my life that couldn't come any other way. I got to say, I thank God that difficult year it it led to everything else that's happened in my life and that it's that rawness that reality that we're talking about with critics today here's our number 877-548-3675 got an email from a program we did last week here on Chris Fabry Live, and I read it and I responded to it. It was just a great story. And I was, I was just about to hit delete. I thought, you know what? My friend, my back fence partners need to hear this encouraging word. And so I, I recorded this back fence post that I send out each Thursday. It's just one of the things that we do to kind of bring you in on what's happening at the radio backyard fence and to uh, make you a part of what goes on the behind the scenes. I can't do this on the air every day, but I just thought, boy, that email from a, a fellow named John, you need to hear that. I think it'll encourage you. You can encourage us with a gift each month. If you want to set that up and automate your giving to Chris Fabry Live, come on over, uh, chrisfabrylive.org, or you can call 866-95-FABRY. One eight six six nine five three two two seven nine, or go to chrisfabrylive dot org. Become a backfence friend or a backfence partner today, and thank you for doing that. Ray Pritchard is with us. Featured resource is his book, An Anchor for the Soul. He's in Shawnee, Kansas today. He's president of Keep Believing Ministries. Written a number of books. He speaks around the country, around the world. He's pastored a number of churches, and he's learned a thing or two about our critics and about. Thinking clearly. Yeah, it's something he has to do every day. You have to make the choice 
to think and to act as Jesus would want you to, and isn't part of this whole thing making mistakes, admitting it, and then turning from that, not letting it you know, keep your head underwater. I want to see how this is affecting you today. You got a critic in your life? 877-548-3675. Debbie's in Peoria. Debbie, what did you want to say today? Hi. I'm not um, in leadership, and I don't have a critic, but I was just listening to the program, and I was really impressed that, first of all, you two men were able to let go of the offense or the criticism that was thrown your way, because it sounds like it was really difficult. And also, I was just thinking about um, how the Word teaches us to love our enemies, and I think sometimes leaders are almost, well, we're all supposed to do that. But I wanted to caution people about being critical of leadership, of people in authority, over us because it can cause church splits and we need to honor and love the people God has put in authority over us and not expect them to be perfect because they're people and and they very well might hurt your feelings if they do don't go gossip go to them you know and and try with a kind heart to talk it out if it happens or just take it to the lord but you know, when Miriam and Aaron um, criticized Moses, uh, there was a price to pay. And I think it's a very dangerous thing to do, to criticize those in authority over us. If it's done in a wrong spirit, with a wrong attitude, I just, um, I've Debbie, been at my Debbie, same church for many years. Uh-huh. Debbie, if I ever start a church, I, I want you in the front <laughs> pew, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What do you say to that, Ray? Well, Debbie's 100% right. We're living in a critical age, aren't we? An age in which criticism is cheap. It's easy. It's We've already talked about social media. That's a, and, and Chris, you, you talk about social media often because it is such a powerful force. If we really believe in God, then we got to believe that God knows what he is doing. I, I'm thinking about, you know, David in the cave and, and why didn't he kill Saul when he had the chance? Well, his answer was, um, his answer was, I'm not going to lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. I take that to mean something like this, that if that he understood that behind Saul stood the Lord God himself. If God wants Saul gone, he's got a million ways he can get him off the throne, right? right. David was not going to try to force God's hand. This goes back, I want to emphasize again, this whole this goes back to theology. Do we or do we not believe that behind our critics, behind our enemies, stands the Lord God of the universe? And do we or do we not believe that our enemies, even our bitter enemies, could not touch us without God's permission? If he didn't allow them, they couldn't come to us, which means at least this much, Something else is going on, and we've got to give God time to work out his purposes. If we don't believe in what I've just said, then we are going to sink down into a a swamp of bitterness, destroy ourselves, and frankly, hurt many other people. You know, that's a really good point that you make that I think I just want to stop and and think about that for a minute, (laughs) because on radio, you just keep rolling on through. 
But what is the bigger thing that's going on here? There's something, if you, even if you just stop and, and say that, when something that happens or somebody says something, criticism, whatever, there may, maybe there's something bigger going on here than I can see. Oh, God, open my eyes to what the bigger thing is, or simply, God, give me the faith to believe that you are at work here, even if I can't figure out what the bigger thing is, right? Well, it seems to be the question, Chris, is how big is your God? I mean, our critics, when they come to us, especially when we feel it is unfair or when they gang up on us, right? When they're having meetings to talk about us and writing us letters and whatever, confronting us in sometimes angry mob-like actions, they seem, our critics can seem big. They can, they can sort of fill, they can so fill the horizon, we almost don't see God at all. The question is not how big are our critics, but how big is our God? I go back to 1 Samuel 24. David, no matter how big Saul was, God was much bigger mm. to him. Uh, l- let me give a quick verse here. Job 23.10, he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Look, I'm all for the gold part. It's the furnace stuff I don't like, you know? <laughs> I want to skip that hot part. I want to skip the cauldron. But you, you can't get to the gold part without getting into the furnace. So the part of that verse that really encourages me, the first two words, Chris, he knows. He knows. There is a God in heaven who knew all about that email There's a God in heaven who knew all about that elder meeting. There's a God in heaven who knew all about that tweet storm. There's a God in heaven who knows. If you truly believe that, you can find rest for your soul, even when the arrows are flying all around you. Boy, that's encouraging. Uh, And for anybody, anybody, this could come from a family member. I think in some ways it it hurts more when it's someone that you really, really trust and know. If I get criticism from somebody the way I drive that I've never (laughs) seen before and is from another state, you know, I was like, okay, I'll never see you again. But somebody that I know well and and I'm trying to love well and then I get criticism, it really stings. So this is – Rubber meets the road kind of thing. This is in everybody's life. I hope you're being encouraged. I think that's the reason Joe called. Uh, We're calling him Joe. Hi, Joe. Go right ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, So my question is, I'm really struggling with the consequences of our sins that put us in these positions. So I totally believe that God's in our midst and God's in control and he allows things into our lives. But there's still consequences to our sins. I'm currently facing 24 felony counts for some white collar crime. And it's such a burden to know that I feel like these people are coming against me. I know God's there, but it's still my fault. And Mm. I still have to deal with the consequences of that. Yeah. Hmm. 24 felony counts. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, trying to think of the as you talk with us joe and you're doing a really good job i'm trying to think of the weight that you carry as you just are holding that phone up right now because you don't know what's going to happen you know you don't know the outcome right No. no so joe when you think about the people who brought the charges against you do you struggle with bitterness do you struggle with anger or or is it basically hey i did it so here we are yeah absolutely not in fact I don't struggle with it, and we've prayed for this individual who 
kind of uncovered everything, and it's good. It's going to sharpen me in the future, but it just feels evil. It just feels like this is being pushed far beyond the realm of reality. Which, which part feels evil? That 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 the, they... the, the whole the whole court case and and the charges. It just it is so out of control that I don't feel bitterness, but it's just hard to go through knowing I'm the one who made the mistake, and I have to deal with that now and those consequences. Let me ask you one question. Where in all of this, because I don't doubt there are, there's evil out there all around the situation. Where in all of this have you seen God's hand at work? Oh, all over the place. In fact, our eighth child is on the way, and it has driven me so far into the scriptures. We're going to name if we have a little boy, we're going to name his middle name David, because I just think of David, man, that guy killed people, he cheated, he stole, but every time he still comes back to God, and God accepts him and loves him and had a plan for him, so I see God all over it, but it doesn't take away the fact that it hurts, and it hurts people around me. Chris? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I hear, is, is there, I hear yeah, you. I don't know. I don't know if I hear answer. your, you know, and I don't know, I don't even know that, that there's a question there necessarily, Joe, other than what happened, Ray, with the pastors who everybody kind of came around and placed their hands. I mean, we can't do that where Joe's living now. He's too far away. But I, I just want to do that. And, and the, I guess the caution that I have, Joe, is as you describe the story, there's almost a sense of, um, yeah, I did it, but boy, it's unfair. Other people did the same thing and they've never been, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that in between the lines and maybe you're not saying that. Um, that's, that's part of what I'm interpreting. (laughs) You are. Okay. You are. All right. So other people did just as bad as I did, if not worse. And okay. All right. Don't, don't, don't compare. You got caught. You're, you were caught red handed. You're guilty. Now the, the, when David, you mentioned David, when David had that happen to him and he was finally found out and Nathan said, you're the man, what did he do? Did he say, well, it's not fair for you. He he fell under the convicting hand of God himself and he said, search me, O God, and know me. Psalm 51, basically, right, Ray? Yeah. The uncovering of sin, of wrongdoing, the uncovering of crime so painful, but it is a mercy of God, is it not? You have actually received the grace of God in that what was covered up and hidden has now been uncovered, and therefore you can be forgiven in the spiritual sense. You can pay the price, whatever it is, and eventually move on with your life. And I think, hold on, not just to the justice of God, but to the grace of God. If you hold on to the grace of God, it will free you from sinking into bitterness. Because in your situation, as you know, if you sink into bitterness and anger, you will you will destroy yourself and ultimately, I think, destroy your own family. That yeah. must not happen. And it sounds like you know the, around you, the, your family members, walking through this with a a sense of God, whatever you want me to learn at this moment, at this time, with this uh, weight that I'm carrying over me, I want to, I want to drink the whole cup 
You know, I don't want to just move it aside. And if you can take this from me, I'm all for it. You know, if they dismiss the charges tomorrow, (laughs) we'll jump up and down with you. But at the same time, it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. And so, so what does faith look like? Uh, Joe, hang on. I want to talk with you in the break here. This is Chris Fabry Live on Moody Radio. Dr. Ray Pritchard is our guest today. Let your voice be heard. Call 877-LIVE-675 now. That's 877-LIVE-675. This is Chris Fabry Live. One segment left in the program. It always goes by so fast. Thanks for your support of Moody Radio and specifically the Radio Backyard Fence. We depend on you to help us continue on radio and the Internet. So if you'd like to join with us, go to our homepage, become a Back Fence friend or partner. God bless you. Thanks for listening. He was an atheist, and he'll join us tomorrow. What happened? Why did he change his belief about God? You'll hear it right here on Chris Fabry Live. Dr. Ray Pritchard is with us. We called our caller Joe, and in the break, he said something really interesting. He said, I hear on Christian radio all day long, a lot, that God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. He will walk with you. But we are the ones messing up with our lives, and I... I just wanted to stop right here, and uh, and Ray, I want you to pray for Joe and anybody else who is feeling the weight of the, and the consequences of their choices and feeling like, well, that's good for you if you've never done what I've done. W- would you pray for anybody who's walking through that? Let's do that. Father, we're so thankful that Joe called in today because he spoke the truth. His sin has found him out, Lord, and that's a good thing, and that's the grace of God, and that's a kindness to him. Lord, he longs to feel your hand, to, to sense, Lord, how you are moving in his life. Lord, we pray for his wife. What a heavy burden she must feel. What, what worry and concern for the future. I pray, Lord, that whatever happens in the days to come, that Joe will draw close to you, stay close to his wife, help him to walk in forgiveness and complete obedience before you, accomplish your will in him. And, Lord, for all of us, we all carry burdens. Lord, we we don't know what the future holds. We pray today for those who feel the heaviness of life. Draw near, Lord, to those who are hurting. Draw near, the Lord, to those who feel the heavy burdens around them. Lord, show yourself strong. Lord, and show us all how we should respond as you are doing your work. Thank you, Lord, that you know what you are doing And when it is done, there will be gold at the end. And, Lord, as we go through the fire of of testing and affliction and hardship and and all the rest, help us to trust in you, grow strong in our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I agree with Ray, and I can hear it in Joe's voice. There is this sense of distance and isolation that the enemy wants him to experience, and that is— you do something wrong, you face the consequences, and everybody runs away. All the people you thought were your friends get out of, out of town. And it sounds like his wife is there. Don't allow the enemy to, to separate them or his family, his large family. Don't allow, uh, allow this to do the opposite of what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Would you in Joe's life and anybody else who's made a mistake and is feeling that isolation, would you – bring life, abundant life, and just flip the devil on his head because of what he's trying to do here. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
That was the thing uh, I mentioned the the email that I was going to delete <laughs> a little <laughs> earlier. Right. It was the isolation. It was something that a listener was going through of a physical nature uh, diagnosis, and it's the isolation. And he said, "I am. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to bring people instead of keeping it to myself and just a few people. I'm going to bring other people in on this and allow them a part in this journey that I'm going through." And when you have the humility, in a sense, to do that, Ray, it really opens everything up to a, a body life kind of living, doesn't it? By the way, in your prayer, Chris, you used a great phrase, flip the devil on his head. Yes. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm good with that. I am down with that because <laughs> that goes with the theology of the sovereignty of God. Hey, I think what we're trying to say is when we respond properly, with humility and openness and faith, even in the midst of difficult criticism, God then is able to flip the devil on his head and bring good out of what seems to be in the moment just unnecessary pain and evil. So listen, folks, there's great things happening. If we'll respond the right way, God will flip the devil on his head and we'll see God do things that would blow our minds. So it's up to us to respond biblically when we are facing criticism and hard times through that the devil goes upside down (laughs) (laughs) we we kind of you know the program changed when joe came on here but i just want to read a couple more i feel that we need to treat our pastors as human beings (laughs) daniel thank you for saying that uh another nathan in orlando has been on hold for a while critics are our teachers and it builds i've got to get back over this Critics are our teachers. It builds a bridge from your mind to your heart. Ignoring them altogether doesn't help us improve. Mention, say something about that, right? If we are willing, our critics can be heaven-sent teachers to cause us to look at things we wouldn't look at, to open our eyes, to begin to change. Yes, painful teachers, but God can use them can use the harshest critics to develop in us the character of Christ. And isn't that what we want, to become more like Jesus? Yeah, and then to look at how he handled the critics (laughs) of his day. We could do a whole program just on that. Ray, it's always uh, great to get to talk with you, but especially on this topic. Admit it, thank God for it, forget about it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Chris. Been a great hour. Yeah, it has been, and I hope you were encouraged by the conversation today. If you go to chrisfabrylive.org, you'll see more about Ray Pritchard. Hey, you can listen to this program uh, right there on the stream as a stream or download the podcast. We encourage you to do that. It's part of what our Backfence partners and Backfence friends help us do, which is get this to you in as many ways as possible. So go to chrisfabrylive.org. And maybe there's a there's a pastor who needs to hear what we were just talking about. Maybe a pastor of Monday sometimes is a pastor's day off, though I think sometimes uh, a lot gets crowded in there on a Monday too. Maybe send this conversation to your pastor as an encouragement for uh, that person in ministry. Again, go to chrisfabrylive.org. And come on back tomorrow. Got a great conversation for you with the man who was raised in inner city Detroit, who was grew up an atheist, and then God got a hold of him. You'll be encouraged. Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Mm-hmm.